All right, all right, all right. We are back at another episode of Warrior Week, Parables from the Pit. My special guest today is Derek Keller. Derek, welcome to the fucking show, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different out here. Graduate of Warrior Week 35. 36. 36. And was there ever 36? <laughs> Shit. All right, okay. <laughs> Graduate of 36 and... Uh, and obviously, you came back inside of the mix for the past uh, nine to eight months, a year, almost a year now. It's been, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we're going to hear a Derek story, very interesting story about, um, well, you're going to find out. Welcome to the show. Sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Parables from. All right, man. So we are back. Uh, Derek, um, talk to me, man, about the first time that you saw the videos, right? Where was your state of mind? I know a friend of yours already came to the inside of the program, a very close friend of yours already came inside of the program, or both of you guys came aware of it. I don't know. I think I was talking to you both of you guys at the same time. Take me back to what actually took you yeah, to be even inside of a conversation to, to, to begin this journey, man. So... <clears throat> the thing that got me going was, li like you said, uh, the owner of the dealership that I work at, his brother went to Warrior Week 35. And before he even hit his Warrior Week, we were watching some of the videos and signing up. Um, the video that actually grabbed me and changed the way that I felt because uh, the first video I watched was Garrett on the bridge, which I hear about a lot about everybody had a big moment with that one. And that yeah. one really didn't do a lot for me because I was never really that playboy guy that had the money to go down and drive race cars and go to go to Vegas. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Legit, man. That's a legit right. uh, recognition. <laughs> so where I actually where, where it grabbed me is I started to research it a little bit because everybody was talking about how fantastic it was so i was like what am i missing yeah and i ended up finding a video on him angry and talking about being in the gym and slamming stuff around and then he was slamming chains around saying that it was okay to be angry yeah so over the past you know 14 years you had the va you had society you had your wife, everybody just telling you that it wasn't okay to be angry, that you had to learn a different way to to, to do that. To I, I don't even know how to explain it because you can't uh, you can't just explain away anger. It's it's fucking it's anger. Yeah. And so I was so frustrated with the fact that I had no outlet for the anger that uh, that's what clicked for me. And then when that clicked over for me, I, I started to find that there was a lot more to the story than just my anger. Yeah. There was reasons behind the anger and, and why I was so frustrated and why I was so angry. And, I mean, so many years of not having any feelings besides anger. Yes. And then telling me that I couldn't have anger. So from the time I was a kid, 
my dad wouldn't allow me to get uh you weren't allowed to cry you weren't allowed to do this you weren't allowed you know you you just knew anger mm-hmm. that's what i knew from my dad that's what i knew from the marine corps that's how i knew how to be a man be mm-hmm. me and coming here i didn't realize the what what emotions i had inside of me yes and and where i would end up and i still don't even know what the hell you whispered in my ear but <laughs> i s- started crying <laughs> and i didn't stop for like 3 days it just kept coming out and coming out it was it was insane to to actually have feelings and going through them ranges of feelings and going through the getting getting to know what feelings were and then trying to give them per se to to my kids and my family and you know my wife um i just wanted to give it all to them at once mm-hmm. which was it was kind of a lot and uh when i got back from warrior week the first thing i did was buy them all journals and sat them down and had an individual talk with each one of them and had them I wanted them to put journal entries in every day, and then we'd talk about them on Sunday in our in our date, yeah, in our family date. So we're gonna come back to that, and but we're gonna go back right before the decision, and when when you stepped in, mm. and we're gonna and we're gonna go way way before that. Like we're gonna go before what what we're gonna go behind the fucking scene. Okay. And behind the fucking scene is when we're a kid, mm-hmm. and when we're a kid. There are events and incidents that takes place. Right. And when they take place, we involuntarily adopt certain patterns that are associated to a fucking emotional event that took place in our life. I give you a fucking example. Um, let's say, you know, dudes that stutter, right? If you look at stuttering, you have to link that to what kind of took place hmm. at what point in your life. When you started picking this shit up, what emotional charge took place? I don't know. My, my parents were fighting or or my dad threw a fucking pan at my mom. I don't know, right? There, there's, a, there's an emotional charge that took place. There was a situation that took place. And right after that, you've adopted a pattern from, you know, whatever you saw. Maybe it was on TV. Maybe it was something you were reading. Maybe it was your bigger brother. Maybe it was your friends. You adopt a pattern and unconsciously that pattern fucking stays with you. So... I want to tie in this specifically to anger. And I want to tie it in specifically from an example this morning and actually in the past fucking 24 hours. Dude, I went like a, on a fucking rampage with my son uh, last night. It started last night and it led into this morning. Last night, you know, he got dropped to the office. We were at the office. I was on the computer working on some shit. And, and he was insisting to get on computer to play some games. And I insisted on him to do his homework. And he insisted back on doing the homework when we're going to go eat pizza because that's what I told him. We're going to grab some pizza. And and he made this argument that, you know, he does better in, in restaurant environment when he does in homework. That's what he does usually, whatever. So we're back and forth like 15 minutes on this talking logically, right? Back and forth. And, he, and he's 10. So, I mean, I give it to him. He's, he's a pretty good fucking negotiator. <laughs> uh, and and so at one point, you know, the, the logic the logic, I'm not able to beat him logically. Because, hmm. number one, I don't have the fucking patience. 
I want to take care of whatever the fuck is on the computer, not talk to him about this. Right. I just want him to listen, right? So there is a desire for me to fucking listen. He, on the other end, just wants to play, doesn't want to hear anything else. And he wants to talk about it now because he wants to play now. Right. This goes back and forth, and I snap, I get angry, I take his fucking school bag, I throw it, and I, and I start acting like a goddamn fucking animal. And that kind of like scares him or in a way like just makes him stop. Yeah. Then I have satisfaction. I finish my shit. And then in my mind, as I'm finishing my shit, I'm, I'm starting like to blame, well, fuck, he wasn't listening and this, well, what the fuck. And, and then after all that is over, I start getting slowly into this place of guilt as I see him sitting on the chair, not saying anything. I'm like, what the fuck? Do, do I want my son to just like fucking sit there and not say anything? What the fuck am I doing? Like all this is happening inside of like 30 minute uh, session. Right. And then I go to this fucking place of shame, which is fuck. You know, how do I, how do I fucking erase this now? Right. How do I like, dude, I fucking teach this shit. I talk about this shit. And now this is I'm like, fuck. So anyway, I talk to him. We go to the pizza. He doesn't care. He forgets. Right. Uh, we have an awesome night. Go to bed tomorrow morning. Needs to pack up. Go to school. He's a bit late, so he's running and he's he's you know he's doing his shit, and uh, and I'm like, hey, where's your jacket? He's like, well, uh, it's at it's 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 somewhere at home. I'm like, no, when I when we can pick you up, let's say you didn't have it, and then after we went to pizza, I didn't see the jacket, so it's not at home. So he start playing the same logical argument, right? That the fucking jacket is at home, but now I know for facts that the jacket is not at home and the jacket is at school. But it's the same fucking logical arguments. We go again at it. And then I'm like, okay, well, go find it upstairs. So he goes upstairs to come back, wakes everybody up. I get fucking angry. And there again, I do the same fucking shit. Like I throw the bag and I start throwing a fucking fit. Like I become angry. Mm -hmm. And then all day, right? I drop him school all day. Like in the car, I was still blaming him. Like, fuck, what are you doing? And then all day, feeling of guilt and shame. So I'm sharing this story with you, number one, to say... That this shit is happening every day. Right. Like, it's happening every day. There is no perfection in, in being a father. There's no right. perfection in being a man. There's no perfection in being a fucking husband. There's no perfection in being a fucking soldier. Like, there is just simply no fucking perfection. There is the simplicity of being shitty, good, and great. Right. Shitty is when, like, you panic. and sh Things are fucking shitty and they smell. Just like shit. Good is when you get fucking comfortable. Like, things are comfortable now. Okay, this, yeah. this is a comfort zone. All right, I got this. Right. So you become this guy that just... And then great is when you're actually inspiring and when you're actually teaching all the time. Right. You can't be teaching from a place of good. If you are, it's false. Mm -hmm. It's misleading because you're just comfortable. Right. So what are you going to teach people is to stay comfortable. You can't teach greatness from good. Right. So in a place where you're great, and this is where the past four years I've been as a great dad, I can still be a shitty fucking dad. So why I'm sharing this is I'm tying this all back to how anger is perceived as we grow up mm -hmm. and how we're given a checklist of do's and not to do's. And part of that is don't be angry or at least... Don't be angry at your parents. Don't be right. angry at your grandparents. It's okay for you to be angry if someone beats you up. Be angry at him. Right. But like there's there's like this so there's this confusion that fucking takes place. 
if anger is a feeling, then okay, I'm not angry to, I'm not supposed to be angry with my mom and the dad, or I'm not supposed to show my anger. So I sedate my fucking anger as a kid, and then it comes out all of it on somebody else, and later in life, I'm still fucking angry at my parents. Right, and you were never willing to collide with them. Never, because you were never given the frame of never collision. Permission, yeah. So I look at my son now. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm gonna, I'm if I'm gonna get fucking angry. What if we would reverse the scenario? What if he would have just get up, fed up with the logical argument, and he would get angry? How would I react then? I would probably alpha up on him, right? Right. And most 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 people say, yeah, that's the way. You know, they can't really control you and this and that. It's not really about control, man. It's about allowing him to have his experience and his feeling as well. Kids don't get angry because they're pure. <laughs> we get angry because we have fucking stories. Right. And those stories make us angry, so therefore we project our fucking anger. And if kid those kids get angry, that they're probably right. Their anger is fueled by truth. And we're the one fucking ignoring it. So, like going back to like your childhood. Does this resonate with you being angry and just not being able to fuel it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was a couple of times that uh, I, I, I did. I, I actually went toe-to-toe with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't end very well for me. Yeah. But uh, I had... One one specific one was uh, we were moving to a new house, and uh, we were moving a couch up the stairs. Yeah. And it, at the top of the stairs, there's this corner, yeah. and there's a big bookshelf, and so you can't get around the corner. So yeah. we're trying to figure out a way to weasel it up there. Yeah. And uh, he, I, I had pushed the couch and pinched his fingers, and he pushed the couch on me and pinched my fingers and yeah. I decided to call him a punk. Yeah. And I remember he was at the top of the stairs, I was at the bottom of the stairs seeing him like jet lee it up in the air, slide down the couch and kick me in the chest out the door. Yeah. And we were circling in the yard like we were going to fight. Yeah. And uh I remember very quickly deciding that that wasn't probably a very good idea, but um, uh, there there was there was many times like that growing up that I would I'd get shut down in more of a matter of fact way, not just kicked out the door. Yeah. Um, there was there was times where my dad and I would yell back and forth uh, and when I would begin to to escalate, that's when it got slapped down real quick for sure. You know, I remember my dad, and and it's the, the, uh, somehow it's fucking exact opposite. It's like my dad never got angry with me, and mm-hmm. I never got angry with my dad up to now. Like I can't have a fucking, close my eyes right now, I can't, I, I saw my dad fucking angry at my mom. I've seen him, I've seen him ha- angry. Like I, I can close my eyes, it was a time where he was wearing a fucking mustache and it was like brutally fucking, like brutally fucking angry at my mom. But I don't have any memory of him being angry to me. My mom, I have a lot of angry moments of my, my mom being angry at me and beating me up with like all kind of fucking objects, right? Right. And, and uh, 
So I don't know, right? It's not that it's just attached to... Like your parents is who you know. Mm-hmm. Or whoever that you're with at that time and you're growing, maybe you're not fortunate to have parents and you're in a foster child home. That, the, the people that are there becomes everything that you model. Right. Everything that model. So I model a bunch of shit out of from my mom. Like I didn't, my anger doesn't come really from my dad because I never seen in him. Mm-hmm. And around him, I was never angry. But around my mom, there was a lot of anger from her and that got projected on me so I could like I become my mom every time I'm fucking angry okay um that's that's how I see things and inside of that when we deal with this idea of anger whether we process or not or whatever whatever ways that we learn to do it um there is definitely the following feelings after which is the blame and then guilt and shame and we all have this guilt and shame that gets forged into a fucking almost almost like a fucking like like a, like an armor <laughs> that is around us and we carry for the rest of our life right until we go through a process where a fucking hammer is taken and just breaks the fucking armor and now you feel like 300 pounds lighter yeah that's 100% true i i went through a lot of uh, shame and 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 guilt having similar ins- with my kids yeah and uh just realizing that they forgive me and talking to them about it and and changing changing the dynamic of it from from the way it used to be where I didn't have any communication any conversation with them at all I would just sit on the couch watch TV and then when there was time for punishment dad would react to a point where now I have a conversation with them daily and we're com- we're co- in constant communication yeah. to where when it's time for me to be the disciplinarian it's it's in a completely different way yeah so I, I've seen it on both sides of, of the the frustration and, and just explosion and yep. and I s- still get that way as well but uh, so as a kid, you you were you were a witness of multiple fucking explosions, right? One of the incidents that you just described, which was your dad like sliding down and just fucking kicking you. Right. Then 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 you then you go to the Marine Corps and you serve the country. How long you serve? Four and a half years. Four and a half years, and like you go right into the fire zone. Right. Like, and obviously, for four four year and a half, you see fucking explosion, like. Mm-hmm. Emotional explosion, physical explosion, all kind of fucking explosion. Talk about those years and and what what happened to to Derek in those years, right? Were you married? Was the kids back home? Like, like talk about talk about a day in the life of a soldier. You know what I mean? Tell the yeah. unspoken, tell the untold, so that if there's any brother listening to this, right, that if you've ever served, you now have a permission to just like. Give yourself permission to fucking share some shit. And if you have not, well, you have an opportunity to not understand, but at least begin imagining. Imagining the fucking, like, like how life could be if you were in this, in this situation. And from there, start, like, just extracting what you, what you can from it. What you can from it that can serve you. So, I mean, that's what we do here, man. Like, we're not going right. to sit down here and we're going to fucking talk about... 
shit that, oh, yeah, you know, what stays in war stays at war. I was a child of war myself. I've seen horrible fucking shit as a child. From ages of 8 to 10, I've seen, like, I've seen what I should have not seen at age of fucking 8 to 10. Right. And so for that period of time, I was grown inside of civil war. I was grown inside of a war that was fucking horrible. Talk about fucking chemical bombs and bombs being dropped on civilians three, four times a night while you're fucking sleeping in the middle of the night. And now you have to fucking look at the TV because the alarm goes on and you have to go under the stairs because if the bomb gets dropped in your fucking house or the neighbor, at least the safest place is under the fucking stair. Like that shit, it's not part of normal growing up. And and and. and when we left the country and we went to Canada, I didn't, uh, like, I never spoke about war again. I didn't talk about, like, I, I wasn't, like, I just suppressed war, right. suppressed playing with anything that was symbolized war, suppressed watching war movies. Not until later, I would say around, like, even inside of Warrior, around 37, 38, and I'm just describing my pattern. And the minute I got exposed to Warrior and the minute that we started, like, working with, you know, soldiers and working with, with guys that have actually served, then it became suddenly a fucking passion of mine to start, like, contributing to that as much as I can. And right. we even started the Navy SEAL funds, and we raised, like, $100,000 for families that were in needs. You were part of that with us, and you've, saw the, you've seen the groan of we, we've created the— the Forgotten Warrior Project, where we sponsor a bunch of guys coming in, right. uh, and so we we there was this there was this this unconscious desire to help, mm -hmm. and I sit back here and I start linking it to thirty years ago when I was actually in the fucking war zone and how I left that for thirty years, like I leave that for thirty years, thirty years, I come back and I start like serving, serving the people that served, right? So. For me, there's a discovery here as well. I don't have the fucking answers, but I know there's a 30 years of sedation that took place. My fears, what I, what I, like fears transcended into like some other emotion. Well, and you got to look at the fact that you were eight to 10 years old. What, what could you have done to help? And yeah. now, now you have an opportunity to help. I think that's what it is. I yeah. think, I think, fuck yeah, man. I've been trying to fucking solve this puzzle. Say it again. You were eight years old, and you couldn't help at that point. And now you're in a place where you can actually help and give them an opportunity to do something. That's so true, because if, if I'd eight, like I'm, I'm just closing my eyes and I'm visualizing what took place, and if I'd eight-year-old, I would be a witness to, to the pain, right? Mm -hmm. Like, dude, I specifically remember one day we went to school, and one of, one of the seats, the table and the chairs, was fucking empty. And that was one of the guys where, you know, his, his house was hit by a bomb. But, but that wasn't the only guy. In that year, we actually start seeing two or three empty chairs, empty tables with chairs. Yeah. That specifically, that specific year, and I would come home cry, and I remembered that was the year with my dad packed all his shit and said, "We're getting the fuck out of here." Like we got out, like we we escaped. It's not like we got out legally; we just had to fucking escape, right? Um, you know, and, and declare the status of refugee, and that's it. Like right. So, but inside of that, if I if I recall what you just said, if if I just visualize the empty tables with the chairs. And when how one turned into three, 
and the pain that that caused me, and I couldn't do it. Like, I didn't know what the fuck was happening. First of all, I was an eight-year-old. So for me, it's like, okay, is this normal? Because I haven't seen anything else. Mm-hmm. It's the first time that I'm eight, right? Yeah. So I'm like, is, okay, I guess this is it. This is where we live. And there was no media. There was no social media. There was no TV exposing us to another world. There was no education exposing us to another possibility. Right. And so that became what we knew. And so inside of that, there was pain, and we didn't know what to do to pain and maybe cry or whatever the fuck we did as kids. But now that you're talking about 30 years later, right? I leave that. I don't fucking follow anything about war or anything like that. 30 years later, I come back, and I start looking at this shit. And I'm starting like helping people, and you're fucking right. It's because I couldn't help then. Now I can. Right. And and what I like, it's been 30 years that I wanted to fucking help, but I've sedated the desire to help because of a fucking story that I'm scared of war or whatever that caused me a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Dude, you just give me a fucking gift. I gotta like I gotta I got a massive like inquiry around this to just figure out this fucking confused way of feeling about what took place and how I'm operating now. Yeah, I went through a lot of the same stuff. Okay. Um, so, like, just talk to us, man, like, from your experience and, and, and what you've experienced on the other side of it. So, <clears throat> the big thing is, is it's not really taboo and it's not really left at, left over there. We're not We're not trying to leave it over there. It's the majority of all of our feelings don't hit us until we're back stateside. We're we're processing things at a different level and a different manner. I mean it's it's just you're 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 clicking and moving. I mean everything's happening. Everything's you just keep moving. And I mean it, it's a lot like this process. I mean you're 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 losing people behind. Mm-hmm. Your people are falling off to the wayside, but you're moving forward all the time you you don't stop and try to save somebody you just you gotta you gotta move so there's no there's no real tabooness to it i mean I, I i could i'll tell you stories i mean the the day in iraq uh we were heading up into baghdad uh it was at the 8-6 Northing. We were heading up in, and um, one of my lieutenants right before that had been hit with two RPGs. Mm. And he got life flighted out. So they attached another lieutenant to us who was from Toes. We were with scouts. And he come up, and he was just excited as excited gets. And he had these bright blue eyes. I'll, n- I'll never forget them. They're just... I mean, almost as bright as the squares in here. They yeah. were, but they they like had a gray tint to them. They're just very, very distinctive. And uh, he was so excited to be a part of what we were doing because he'd been a little bit further behind and and didn't realize he'd been hearing about the things that we were doing because we were the forward reconnaissance for everything. Mm. We, we were in front of everybody. It basically we called ourselves Worm on a Hook. I mean, we were bait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're heading up into uh, southern Baghdad, and we're going to make the loop around to Saddam City. Yeah. And it was April, 
2003. Mm. And I believe it was April 4th. I just cut yeah, off. Yeah, that's okay. Go ahead, keep going. I hit something. That's fine. Just keep telling the story. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, April 4th, yeah. we're driving up and we're we get attacked by uh it was militias mm. they were they'd hired a bunch of militias and they were all in black pajamas bouncing between the houses mm. and they had so like they jumped from roof to roof and they had uh some uh sandbags set up that they were you know some fighting positions that they were shooting shooting at us from and I remember hearing over the radio, Scout 6 is down. Mm -hmm. So I look back, because his truck's right behind mine, and I just see his gun spinning. So he had a 50 cal on top, and in the turrets, then we didn't have any armor. We stuck out from our waist up. Mm -hmm. So the you just had a little handle that you'd pull up to turn your gun. Mm -hmm. So he had had the turret loose to traverse back and forth and his gun was just spinning because that thing wasn't locked down yeah so i'm looking down trying to get one of my guys to jump up in the gun i get that guy up in the gun and i hear somebody saying you know check on the other truck and i had my driver pull up next to his as we're in the firefight bouncing through the borrow pit yeah and they say uh so i i jumped from my truck to his truck and climbed down in and climbing down in that truck i i didn't know what i was gonna see i didn't i didn't i didn't think i i, I figured either he was knocked out or he had been completely blown up or I was expecting to see just gore all over the place. And I looked down in the turret, and he's slid down into the passenger rear seat, and his feet are still up mm. on the plat gunner's platform. And he's just laying there, and he, they, you don't see any, He looks like he's just asleep, like he's knocked out. Mm -hmm. So I jump down in the turret, and I'm yelling at the guy to check him out, see what's going on with him. And he's froze. The, the Everybody's froze in the truck. So I'm trying to get everybody present and get everybody to wake up, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And I reach down, and I'm pulling on his flak jacket, and I'm telling him, open up his flak jacket, see if he's hit. Mm. So he finally he gets the flak jacket open, and he's feeling around, and I'm down there feeling around and jumping back up in the gun and trying to remain in, in, the, in the fight. Yeah. And ca we can't find anything on him. So I reach down and I pop the buckle on his Kevlar and everything just fell out. Mm. He had been shot in the head. And I was so in the moment of the firefight, I was yelling at somebody to do CPR on him. I mean, there was, he was, there was nothing to do yeah but i'm yelling at somebody to do cpr on him and his legs are wrapped around mine just twitching yeah for about an hour we're going back and 
retrograde and hitting another road and trying to hit it from another angle. And his legs literally stayed around, wrapped around mine, twitching for about an hour. And then we took him out. Uh, one of my good friends, John, he came over and was uh, rinsing out the back of the truck. And we put him in his uh, Gore-Tex bag, the liner that mm. goes over your sleeping bag. And we carried him to a life flight. It was pretty intense. What do you uh, what do you do as a soldier in the process? I mean, the, you know, when when you come off the fire and when you're actually wrapping the body and all that shit, like as uh, uh, are guys in tears or or like or do you go in tears at, alone at night or do you never go into like what happens to the soldier? Um, at that point, there was uh, there wasn't a lot of feeling to it. It was. I, like I said, the feeling didn't come until uh, a, a little while after. It was, uh, I guess that's kind of what you're looking for. It's, uh, we started going in retrograde, and where it all poured in on me was uh, something that didn't even have to do with the war. It was, I had called my dad, and he didn't answer because we finally got service to where we'd never had cell phones over there. So yeah, yeah. they got these sat phones when we were in retrograde. So I had called my dad to see um, what's going on back home and let him know that I'd made it. I was in retrograde. I was coming home. And he didn't answer, so then I had called my mom, which they were divorced at the time. Yeah. And my mom starts telling me about all of her problems that she has at home. Okay. Like that she's getting divorced and this and that. And yeah. I mean, yeah. doesn't even really acknowledge that... You're coming home. I'm getting shot at for... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a couple months and then yeah. now I'm coming home mm -hmm. and then as we're getting off the phone she goes oh by the way your grandma died and hung up so that's my dad's mom Yeah, the one who was so proud of me for going to the Marine Corps and me dressing in my dress blues to to meet her after my graduation you know it was it, it, to surprise her I guess yes. and to hear it that way from somebody who didn't really give a shit yes. about my grandma yes. was was tough for me. So that started to open up a whole bunch of feelings. And then I started thinking about, well, what about his family? You know, mm -hmm. who's telling his family? Where's, you know, or, or is it just a couple of Marines knocking on the door and saying, hey, is uh, your, your son's dead? Yes. I mean, who's there to comfort them? Who's there to, to do anything for them? Because they're not trained in the way that we are to deal with it. Yes. And thank God. I mean, if they were trained the way that we were, they'd, we'd, there'd be a whole numb world. But mm -hmm. uh, but they're, they're, they just... So that that's what really started to affect me. And then I hit a moment where... Um, all I could see every night when I closed my eyes was him propped up on his elbows and his eyes staring at me because that's how I set him down on the ground so we could put him up in the bag. And he was, you know, the, the stiffness was setting in the rigor, rigor mortis, however you say it, but yeah. he, he was, he was getting stiff. So his arms were 
stuck cocked back and he was just laid back and his eyes were looking just straight at me so it was so i seen that for years years and years that's that that's the vision that i seen every night when i closed my eyes you hear about these guys that are having these visions of the people that they killed and this that and the other thing but this uh, so i I thought I was extra broken because I wasn't seeing them visions. I was seeing the vision of my lieutenant dead laying there mm-hmm. every night. The twitching of the legs, was right. that something that hunts you, like hunted you or whatever that like just because the way you describe this is it, this is not a sudden death. This is not, oh, this person is shot. Okay. You know, but th- this, this is like a person, a person's life, like, leaving the person's souls leaving yeah. and it's and that hour just seems like i can imagine not not that i i felt it but i can imagine that hour could just seems like fucking years man yeah yeah it seemed like seemed like days just it, it seemed like it was never going to end at that moment like or even after cuz who knows at that moment you're still under fucking shocks you know what i mean I mean this is no no one has no one has predicted these scenarios right you know i mean th- th- there are conversations about like this is going to be the most horrible space that you ever going to see or but not having a script and just like yourself j- like you said you jumping in a truck and not knowing what what to see mm-hmm. when you came back and when it was all over for you to come back and and uh and be at home Like I mean, how the fuck do you just put all this shit in in um, in a bag and close it up and and then just just be at home without without like going to the bag and constantly bringing it out? Well, it's kind of funny because uh, the when I was talking with Nick earlier today, he actually brought something up and I had a big revelation with with him. Yes, and we were talking about the label of PTSD. So you and I have talked about yes, this quite yes, a bit. Yes. And I didn't realize that I had hit it s- I, w- I was trying to hide mm. that I had PTSD. <laughs> because to me it was weakness. It was it was everybody I I didn't want people to judge me. I had a vision of guys with PTSD living in gutters and my uncle living in a VA home. Yeah. That's that's what I envisioned PTSD. So when I was labeled PTSD, I did everything in my power to make sure that people didn't know. I was scared. Yes. I didn't I it, didn't understand that I could still function. So I, I went to a whole nother extreme of the businessmen where where that's where I found my drive and my purpose was in, inside of work I th- that I, I put everything to work and and I, I was a workaholic I would literally work till I couldn't work anymore yeah and then drink hit the strip club go to bed I, I mean there was there was multiple different scenarios I mean there towards before I had come here it, it got to a point where I was I wasn't going out I was more because now I had a status, yeah. I had developed a status, so now I couldn't be that guy that was going out and creating all this 
uh, chaos, essentially, and, and, and fighting and drinking and sleeping with other women. Yeah. And I couldn't do that anymore. I had to uphold this status. So I would go home, and instead of taking the aggression out on these guys that I didn't know at the bar, I would yell and scream and treat my family like crap. Yeah. So, so it comes but down to, I mean, if you look at a pattern, it's like, hey, action, 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 action. You come back here, like, okay, the only thing I know is fucking action. Right. So action, 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 action. Give me fucking action and work. Like, you know, let me sell some shit. Let me, let me, let me feel this. Okay, what's the next sell? What's the next opportunity? And then, like, okay, drink some shit. Let, let me keep myself entertained. Strip clubs or whatever the fuck. It's just entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. It's just keeping. And the, and the place that actually slows everything down for you, which is home. Right. You just don't want to be there because. No slowing down opens the space for you to reach out in that bag and start bringing some of the shit you don't want to think about. Right. So yeah. you get, you bring action at home. Yeah. <laughs> so that you don't find the space, you know, like, so the whole problem becomes slowing down and being okay to be alone. Right. By yourself. Because that's space. And that's where I had hit the point of where I was calling my life insurance to figure out if, because I had PTSD, if I killed myself, would it still pay my family? I remember that conversation. And uh, you come on the phone. I specifically remember that conversation. You're like, dude, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm at the point where I don't know. So... What, what I heard and what I've seen at Warrior, and, and we're going to talk about that, that at Warrior Week, what happened specifically, but you and I talked about like this, like there, there is a man, and then this man has actually almost, you've actually almost accepted, yeah, accepted the fucking label. Like you've almost accepted it. Mm -hmm. In some extent, you did accept it. Like, okay, I have PTSD, so PTSD equals blah, 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 blah. Whatever whatever label society put on it, I'm going to hide it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hide it, but I know I can't hide it from myself. So I know I'm fucked up. I know I may cause some, some damage to someone according to the label. I'm not going to let anyone know, but I can't live with this too long. Right. So I Because I'm afraid of myself. You lie to yourself, lie to yourself, lie to yourself, and then eventually the lies catch up and they bleed out into everywhere and it just it So whether however you want to look at this, brother, at the end of the day, you've taken the exact pattern that you needed to take, which is you felt it, you've experienced it, you've accepted the label, the yeah. story, whatever. And all was left was just to fucking eliminate it because it wasn't <laughs> right. serving you. Right. But, but you couldn't figure out how to eliminate it. Mm -hmm. And so you come to Warrior Week and, and, you know, that first night in the pit, you go deep and you see some shit. Specifically remember that night. What, what, what do you remember from that night, man? Like, what do you, like, where were you taken emotionally? Um... So, it was basically back to that moment in the truck. Hmm. 
and it was you know like well, I don't know how many details we can get into well, about how much however you want I mean we don't talk about the evolutions but I mean if you want to talk about just talk about whatever you want man well when we when we went through an evolution of letting letting things go yep yep burn uh, the past burning the past yep. yeah um that was I had I, I, I let that go <laughs> and that night was the first night that I had slept more than three hours in 14 years. I slept six hours on it. And you guys don't get that many hours to sleep. <laughs> so you actually you actually banked 100%. <laughs> but, man, that's solid. Yeah. Yeah, and then... The armor was fucking, like, the shield was broken. Like, the hammer took... You took the fucking hammer and broke the shield. Well, it was crazy because you know going through, I'd come, I'd come in with the with the hardened military. Oh, yeah. none none of your evolutions are gonna do shit for me. <laughs> yeah, gotta, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna knock this log PT out. I'm gonna <laughs> jump in and out of the trash can. And I remember specifically, uh, you looking at me and shooting me with a paintball because uh, I had told somebody. They only they only have a limited amount of time that they can do this. This is they they've got a time limit. They're gonna go through these <laughs> things and and then we'll be done. No matter what you do, it's never gonna be right. And I got shot with a paintball. <laughs> then we got pulled aside, and I ended up all on an island by myself, screaming <laughs> at the at the at the water. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, sleeping six hours after fucking fourteen years, man. Yeah. Sleeping three hours, like, dude, that should that wasn't healthy for your body. No, no, I, I pounded usually anywhere between six and twelve Red Bulls a day. Six and twelve Red Bulls a day. Mm. Shit. Yeah, it's to keep you. Yeah, just to function. Yeah, that that's not <laughs> good for the body. Um, yeah, so dude, you come in. I remember um, that night. That night you liberated yourself, and uh, and the last day, you've eliminated the fucking label. I mean, it really fucking clicked. Yeah. Garrett, Garrett was in the room. I was in the room. The brothers were in the room. We're all around you, and and you went through the evolution called the mirror. Mm -hmm. And that was that was the birth of the mirror evolution inside of uh, Warrior Week, and uh, and you just went back home. With 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 a different perspective, completely different. Just and, and a different perspective. So you didn't change. No. There was no transformation. Same guy. Same guy. The only thing you fucking got out of this whole entire process was a different perspective. Right. But this was a perspective that was serving you. So talk to us about how you took this perspective, and how this started like serving you at home. Like first your wife, then all of your kids one by one because you have five men. Well, it took a while. Yeah, I know. But you, you have a you have you have a solid family, so it's not right. like it was just you and and mom in the basement, <laughs> right? Um, it, it took took a while. It took a lot of showing up because I mean everybody was one hundred percent on the thought that I, I it wasn't gonna follow through. It wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna keep happening. And, yeah. Um. But it was just constantly concentrating on on making sure that I hit it every day and and having that structure back in my life is what really 
really helped make make everything easier yes. because because I had a checklist. I had you know just you know Marine Corps. You wake up, you you put your boots on, you make your bed, you you go out, you run your PT, <laughs> you come back, you shower up, you get ready, you go do whatever you're doing for that day. Yeah. So having that back in my life where I wake up in the morning, I, I go run my PT, I, I, I get ready for the day, I'm, I'm preparing my mind for the day is a, is a new thing. And it, I mean, we'd write five paragraph orders, we'd set up, you know, different, different schemes, different stuff that we would set up and do. But just having that structure mm -hmm, mm -hmm. back in my life was, was one of the biggest things that made the click for me and made me refocus and 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 have a drive every day and be and and just know where I was going instead of just showing up and waiting for something to happen I was ahead of the game yes. so staying ahead of the game at work came to staying ahead of the game at home to uh having the courage to collide and ask say hey you know I've been here this amount of time, I'm not going to work weekends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for my family, they were completely blown away. That was like one of the big clicking big moments. Moves. That like, was a big move, bro. Yeah, Saturday's a big day in the car business, and dad's, dad's staying home. What? Yeah. He's not calling. He's not checking. He's Nothing. He's put his phone up. He's he's engaged. We're, we're doing all these things. And that... That's pretty huge. I mean, that that really. You started journaling with your kids as you were talking about at the journaling, beginning. Yep. Yeah. And how did that go? Like, like talk about some of that experience with with your kids, man. Um. Because they have the they have the best way to teach us some shit. Yeah. So, my son was drawing a lot of pictures. Yeah. And you know he's he's six. He 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 mostly wanted me to write stuff, and then he would rewrite it. And yeah. But but it was time together. And one of the big things that I learned was uh, my daughter. So I had no idea that my daughter was struggling with somebody bullying her. Mm. And it really frustrated me that she didn't have the courage, not not have the courage, but di didn't, didn't feel like I was a, a safe place for her to come talk to mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And... Before, I mean, she might have told me, and I, I wouldn't even registered. I probably would have said, hang on a minute, I'm watching TV. But it had, it had completely just blew me away that she was confiding in and talking to her counselor at school before she talked to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she actually wrote this in, a, in her journal, so she did bring it to me and, and, and share it with me. So it was, it was pretty, it was, it was intense to feel that, especially coming from the place where, uh, I was completely afraid to talk to her. And I was, I, like we had discovered, I, I, I had pushed her away because she had woke me up that night and I had end up, ended up slamming her up against the wall. And, yeah. and I, subconsciously consciously pushed her away and th then blamed it on her mm -hmm. oh she just she's scared of me now she's she doesn't want anything to do with me and when i finally talked to her about that incident she didn't even remember it mm -hmm. she had no she had no recollection of it 
and she couldn't understand why I was pushing her away. Yeah. So that was that was another intense conversation uh, that we got through the journal. Your your wife, right? Uh, do you remember of our our call? There was a call that we had, and it was a hot seat. You were on a hot seat on a virtual call, and and I and I and I fucking yelled, and I got mad, and I screamed, and I said, you know, like, dude. <laughs> Like your wife is the partner, your wife is the one that you're gonna co-create this 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 journey with. And mm -hmm. I was specifically talking about the certified trainer and and how you were how you were gonna go out there and teach and and I said, have you ever thought about like having her involved in this? Because obviously she has been the backbone of of everything for you. Like right. dude, like we we on that call like. We laid it out. So, all right, well, dude, the reality is the real warrior has been your wife. Like, behind the scene, like, five kids and your fucking ass being whatever, right? Action, right. action, action guy. She's kept it all fucking together because she knew that one day the king would return fucking home. Exactly. And to live with a queen like that in a castle... And the man that you've become and have her as a as a partner to build whatever the fuck you want to build a business, build a, a the most epic relationship and build a, a charity, build a fucking soccer team, build a baseball team, build whatever, build a church to have her as a builder next to you. Mm -hmm. How does that fucking feel? Oh, it feels great. Uh just like in this transition that we're making to Arizona. Yeah. It's uh, something that, that would have never happened before where, where I would be going to Arizona and picking us out a house. Yeah. I mean, I'm FaceTiming her through houses, and it was kind of funny because she was talking to me about it yesterday. Uh, her mom had called her, and she had said, oh, Derek's down picking us out a house. And she goes, he's what? <laughs> And she goes, yeah, he's picking the, picking us out a house. And she goes, you trust him to pick you out a house? And she's like, absolutely. I mean, I because she had a house in mind, and I went in it, and the house was great, and there was a lot of things that we could do with it. But there was something in the house that made I don't I don't have very many allergies. I, I I'm, I'm allergic to morphine. Yeah. And there was something in there that was making my eyes itch and my nose. And she's like, well. Do they have a dog? I was like, yeah, I have dog. They have a dog, but uh, I'm not allergic to dogs. Our one of our kids is allergic to dogs. Yeah. So I, I was like, well, maybe if they just shampooed the carpets and got rid of you know a bunch of stuff. And I was yeah. like, and then I was thinking, well, if I'm gonna go in and spend this kind of money and buy this house on a hope that's <laughs> that yeah, the shampoo will that, take it away. Shampoo is gonna take it away. Fuck that. It doesn't make sense. And she's like, well, yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, we go spend, put all new carpet in or whatever, and it still doesn't you're go fine. away. I'm, you're you're stuck. And, yeah. and But so it, it's just pretty amazing to, that she trusts me to be able to do that and trust my judgment in stuff. Um, it's pretty amazing to see you in your communication that way with your wife. Yeah. Like, dude, <laughs> like just like communicating in my shit. Back in the days, it was... Like there was no there was no cooperation. No, none at all. It was like, hey, 
checking in is like a fucking uh, like you point A to point B, like fucking checking in. Yeah, it's yeah. like a check-in call. It's not just like hey, you did when you were a kid, and mom what? said check in. Yeah, it's not <laughs> hey, what's up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically check-in. Right. And and today that's obviously different, and you're living that way. But I I want to talk about one particular. One particular event where you've truly felt the power behind what you really want. And this is the like this is the ultimate test for you, which your wife has witnessed and your five kids have witnessed and they will grow to know this. And that is the following. You have an offer. You have a huge offer. Oh, yeah. You have yeah. it. You have an offer. You have an offer that comes in and that most men will not fucking refuse. Yeah. And talk about that decision because that needs to be fucking written in history. That needs to be told in this conversation right here. And if you're if you're listening to this podcast, or you've been watching this podcast so far. Um, open your own, open your fucking ears and hear this. This is a reality. This is not a false decision. This is not a false. Uh, story. This is a true story that took place from a man that has been in fucking the places that you and I have not been, and maybe some of you have been fucking on the other side of the hell and coming back and building a life, almost taking his life away to making this decision. Um, this is something that the world needs to fucking know and understand the power of once we become clear on what's priority in our life and how, like, how fucking love is this secret weapon of mass fucking building. Like, it builds. It's not mass destruction. It's mass building. Yeah. Like, it's just a secret motivator to fucking move anyone and anybody. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, like, just allow you to tell the story. Right. So we're... I've been in the car business, like we talked about, for 14 years, and I've been trying to build to this level of income that's that that was always the the main motivator in my mind was i've got to hit this level okay next year i got to hit this level i got to hit this level and, and so on and i i had an opportunity where where uh, a company had called and offered me 1.2 a year plus bonuses no, no 1.2 million and <laughs> so that yeah, hold on again uh, repeat that again <laughs> 1.2 so that million was like four times my income plus bonuses at that time at that time yeah. yes and so 1.2 plus bonuses plus bonuses and that would have brought you to what well around 1.5 1. 1.5 1. so 1.2 guaranteed guaranteed and and 1.5 with bonuses right for one year one year okay so I'm sitting there trying to process it, and the first first person I talk to is is Shane, the owner, yeah. right there. I'm like, hey, I got this offer, and he's like, take it. <laughs> if you don't take it, tell me who's calling. I'm going to take it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so just to, to have that, to, to be able to just be able to tell somebody that, yeah. that you're working for and have them have your back and say, hey. Take that shit. Right. <laughs> Um, Shane is also a graduate of Warrior Week, a great fucking guy. So. Yeah. And we went, so I, I went home, and I, I was trying to process it and talk yeah. talk to my wife, and 
I just, I, it wouldn't sit with me. I couldn't figure it out. I was like, well, this is like everything I dreamed of. I get, I get to get away from the, the cold. I don't want winter anymore. I'm, I'm yeah. gonna go down in the warm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sunbathe and get paid. That's you know, paid and laid. That's yeah. that's what we're all we're going for it, right? And uh, it just it wouldn't sit, and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. And then I started to process that I had built so much with my family that mm. I was not willing to risk losing time because this job was going to take a lot of my time. Seven days almost, huh? Yeah, it would it it would have been seven days a week for sure. Yep. And I started to realize that my that what I had built was there there I couldn't put a price tag on it. It would actually so here's the reality, right? Like you have to imagine the scenario. You're sitting and somebody knocks at your door and say, What's up, bro? We have an offer for you that's four times of what you're currently making. So visualize what you're making right now, whatever you're making right now, whatever your level of production is. Visualize an offer on the table that says four times that guaranteed. And we're not talking about like some shitty verbal offer. It's You had that in written. Mm -hmm. All that was left for you was to fucking sign it. Right. And the game begins. Okay, so continue. So I go through the process of still processing it and we came i still hadn't said no until we came here yeah <laughs> yeah we were at uh was it warrior con too? yeah yeah it was an event here yeah warrior con 2 i'm sitting and i go out and i start i, I talk to a couple different people about it and they're all like yeah take the money take the <laughs> money and I couldn't understand why they couldn't feel where I was coming from. Like I, I like I didn't I didn't even want to have to say it. I, I wanted them to see it and feel it. Yeah. And I walk up to Sam, he's in the middle of his salad, <laughs> and uh I had told him the offer and it w it was just a completely different look than anyone else had given me, like like he could almost feel the sadness inside of me. And he goes, well, well why, why aren't you taking it? <laughs> hmm? And I was like, well, I don't know. Why am I not taking it? <laughs> so then we sat there and kind of and, and talked through it of, of where I was at. And uh, that night I ended up turning it down. Hmm. That was a good talk, man. I remember that. Yeah. The salad was shitty. <laughs> like I was disappointed <laughs> the fucking served salad. Yeah, I I wanted some I wanted some chicken breast and some like pff, they yeah, were ser they were serving pork and some fucking fish, and I was pissed off as a motherfucker. And then you come and sit down. Yeah. <laughs> with this news, I'm like, why the fuck you're not <laughs> offering it? <laughs> so I was already triggered by the yeah. fucking salad. But inside of that, we had a great conversation. And the conversation was simple, man. Is and and it's it is what it is right now, and it, it needs to be said and it needs to be known. Is that for fourteen years you you operated in a place where you've just given whatever version of yourself that was left over after all the actions, after all the actions at work and everything else after that entertainment, whatever that was left, it was what you had for your wife and your kids. 
mm-hmm. which at that time wasn't much because all your energy was just spent somewhere else. Right. And inside of that, you were also carrying a lot of heaviness with this whole story of what took place in war. And, and that was taking much of your energy, a lot of your fucking cognitive energy. Realistically, bro, there wasn't much of you that was actually brighting and shining on your kids and your wife. No. And whatever it was out of it, it was enough for them to just feed of it. And they, they were like, they were just staying and happy, right? You get a taste of what you can actually impact and what family you can actually have as you operate in the best place of your life. Right. Having the routines, being clear, being connected with your wife, having a wife where you can actually build a life with, not just fucking live with. Having the kids where you're connected and emotionally you are in their life, they are in your life. And that is a whole new window of life and purpose in which in the past was not open as big for the light to shine in. Right. And now dad, the king, opens up at the window and the fucking sun is pouring into the family and everybody is growing emotionally. And you, you have been a witness of that for a year. And it, it didn't matter if it was fucking 1.7 million or 1.5 million. It could have been fucking 10 million. It could have been 10 million. There's no fucking way. There's no fucking way you would have accepted that because no. that would have mean I would close the window in exchange for 10 million and that would have been equal to a fucking bullet in your head straightforward. The guilt and shame of that would have caused you to fucking put a bullet in your head because you have been there mm-hmm. where you wanted all along for 14 years you wanted this window and yet you just didn't know how to fucking open the window. It's as simple right. as that. You had to eliminate the story that this window is locked. Once you eliminated the story that the window is not locked, then you push gradually, you open the goddamn fucking window, you allowed your light to shine upon your family. So it didn't fucking matter, was it 10 million or 20 million or 1.2 million, realistically, four times. Yes, sure, there's prosperity on the other side because you could do a bunch of shit with your family, but what's the fucking point when you're not there to shine and all they want is for you to shine? Well, not just that, uh, uh, the integrity of it all, because I would have made him a whole bunch of promises that I couldn't have kept in yeah. order to do that. And the guilt on that, <laughs> undeniably fucking paralyzing the rest of your life. Right. But what a beautiful, what a beautiful path. What a, they say the most difficult decisions are the decisions that actually p- pivot the direction of our lives. Right. And Mm. look at the direction of your life ever since that decision. Dude, you're moving to Arizona from fucking, you know. Right. Opening up my own deal. Opening up your own deal. Yeah. Pursuing pursuing your own your own way. (laughs) Yeah. It's the Derek way. You know, the Warriors way helped you live the Derek way and now you're living Derek way. And Warriors way is just the foundation that allows Derek to live the way. Helps me operate day to day. (laughs) I mean So, you know, I look at this you're a man of war. Yeah. I'm a child of war. And deep down inside, today you can sit here, and I can sit here too, and say, although the war within is not fucking over, but I can tell you we won some major fucking battles. Yeah. We did. And we're at peace right now. But we know for sure that the war within never fucking ends. Nope. The second that you think it does, it, uh, <laughs> it creeps up and... Attacks you again. Well, that's what happened to me this morning and last night. Right. That's the war within. 
Well, for four years, I live the warrior's way. I teach the warrior's way. And I live in the greatness of being a dad. And inside of that, I become the most shitty dad within 24 hours twice. That's the proof that the war within never fucking ends. The old self, he's always fucking there. Yeah. And the minute I believe it, like you say, it's, it, it's done. He takes over. The minute I believe he's not there. But if I acknowledge that he's there and time to time, I, I can be a shitty man. I can be a shitty husband. I can be a shitty father. I can be a shitty man. I can be a shitty leader. If I don't acknowledge that, then all I'm, all I'm fucking searching is this imaginary game of perfection that doesn't exist. I'm chasing something that is telling me to fucking fail every single time I chase it. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that's why I end up stacking myself at least once a week because I, I went a whole month without stacking myself and I yeah. ended up in the pit. Yes, yes, you're you're not the only one, by the way. <laughs> you're not the only one confessing this, so that 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 that's all right. But uh, man, what what a what a what a what a pure conversation. Yeah, it was great. Like what a conversation of the truth, right? The truth of what 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 make us operate the way we operate and ultimately the patterns and behaviors that we adopt unconsciously. Even in war, man, you borrowed a bunch of fucking patterns and behavior there based on emotional charge. Right. Like, there is no fucking doubt. But then undoing, once you recognize the pattern, then change is fucking easy. And it's not that we want change. All we want is to become the self, who we are. Who we are, because who we are is fucking beautiful. Who we are, we can love ourselves unconditionally. But because we adopt all these fucking retarded patterns or whatever patterns they are, because we adopt these, then we operate differently. Right, because we're operating around the armor. The armor. So what a beautiful conversation. Thanks for being on the show with us, man. This oh, was an amazing you. fucking call. And if anybody has been watching this and you're still on this call and you're still on this podcast, you're still on this uh, version of the podcast being broadcasted in video style, uh, then ask yourself, was there anything inside of this conversation that actually impacted you? And if it did, know that you have a duty to pass this on to another man, to simply forward this podcast and say, hey, listen, man, I'll learn. I, I listen to some shit here, and this shit is fucking real. Like, I think you can benefit from this. Pay it forward. Pass it forward. You can find more details at warriorweeknow.com. Inside of that, there's videos, audios, there's texts, uh, versions of all the, the, the episodes. This is num episode number 25, and there'll be more coming in. So you can find all the details at warriorweeknow.com, and also by searching Warrior Week inside of iTunes and as well as Google Play. Thanks for being with us.